Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner, Will Lomas. We are back after yet another week of Titans training camp to talk about the biggest storylines. And on tap for today, uh, there are some big ones. Number one, perhaps... um, the story that Paul Kuharski reported about Isaiah Wilson attending a party at Tennessee State University that obviously broke the Titans' COVID-19 guidelines. Will Compton, known by some Titans fans as The Boy, uh, working out with the Titans on Wednesday, and the Titans signed themselves a new backup quarterback, all of which we will get into throughout the course of today's episode. But guys, I want to start with this first. I, I told you guys we would do this. I am holding in my hand, as opposed to somewhere else, I don't know, um, a copy of the Titans' current roster. And so let's play a fun little game. I'm going to go through this roster, which is now at 80, uh, name you players, and you have to tell me what position they play. Because this is always fun this time of year, because, I mean, there's players that no one has ever heard of. All right. Uh, let's start with, Chris, oh, that says, Chris, I almost said Christian Poulsen, but that's actually Christian Fulton. I would hope you know what position he plays. <laughs> okay, let's start, let's do this one. Kalen Curse Thomas, rookie out of Arizona State. Um, safety? I don't know. Well, close. Receiver. Uh, no, he plays linebacker. He's 5'11", okay, 220. Okay. Matias was close because linebackers stand close to safeties. Um, nice. I guess, I guess yeah, that's close. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about hmm, Kobe Smith? Uh, I guess Will can go first this time. I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> uh, defensive yes. tackle out of South Carolina? He is a defensive tackle out of South Carolina. I was going to say Kobe, right? I was going to say tight end. So, <laughs> how did you know that, Will? Yeah, what? <laughs> His name is Kobe. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Did you I'm Google not, it? Big, no. <laughs> you hear me frantically typing and deleting my history. Uh, no, it's one of the few undrafted free agents that I know. Don't ask me, Kale Garrett, either. I do know that one. Creshawn Hogan. I know that when he's a wide receiver. Well, that's because Matias right. wrote about the receivers. 
Yeah. Matias, who is back riding on titansized.com now. Huge news. Go check out out my incredible analysis on the Titans' sixth receiver spot. (laughs) Here's one. Cameron Scarlett. Rookie out of Stanford. Yes, it is a running back. Yes. I know him. He is not very good. Okay, let's do one or two more. I'm just trying to find guys that... Uh, um, see, some of these I feel like... Like Avery Genesi. Y'all would, Will, I feel like, would know who that is. I do, I, I, I do, and I can tell you why after Matias guesses. No, I have no idea. Oh, line. Uh, Yes, he's a guard because oh, nice. he absolutely buried. Uh, who was it? Number ninety six. Joey Ivy. Yeah, he absolutely buried Joey Ivy, and people were losing their mind on Twitter thinking that he was beating Jeffrey Simmons when Jeffrey Simmons came the next play and destroyed uh, Nate Davis. Uh, but yeah, it's in the clip. Yeah, uh, nice. we'll do we'll do one more. Tyre Tart. That one. I, I only vaguely know. Didn't the D line? Didn't we just talk about him? He does play D line. Okay, cool. You did the Paul Kaharski off the off the pod. We talked about him. Yeah, we're big uh, tart fans. <laughs> they call us tartlets, uh, which is not a flattering nickname, but you know we kind of go with it. How do you spell that? To hear T A H I R. Uh, hold up. I, I... Put my paper away. I think it's T A I R T A R T T A R T. Only one T at the end. Oh, just one T. Second T is silent. So, famous podcast co host and also former Titans linebacker Will Compton might be future Titans linebacker Will Compton, the veteran from Nebraska. Will be work. Wait, he played at Nebraska, right? Did I mess that up? Correct. No, he oh, kept it. No, yeah, yeah. Okay, I get Nebraska and Wisconsin confused because of the colors sometimes in my mind. So <laughs> we but, all do. We all. <laughs> but so the, the product of Nebraska will be working out with the Titans on Wednesday. Will you called this weeks ago? And I have in the past when Titans fans are like, they need to sign Will Compton. I'm like, you're just saying that because you like his podcast, but. I'm on board with this. Like, I think it would make a lot of sense. He played well with uh, John Gruden and the Raiders last year. And they need another body at inside linebacker because behind the top three, Long, Evans, and Brown, you've only got DeZubnar, who's pretty much special teams exclusive, and then a bunch of guys that, you know, would probably be good candidates for the game we just played. And so I think it would make a lot of sense and I certainly think it's going to happen. I would. That's my guess at this point is that it will happen. Uh, but what do y'all think? Yeah, we talked a little bit about the inside linebacker position. Uh, I don't know if it was the last pod or the pod before that, but we pretty much all agreed that a signing was probably going to happen here, just because the the depth wasn't wasn't all that great. Like David Long is a good number three, but we're not really sure what Dzubnar is other than a special teams guy. So. I think bringing in Compton, who we already know, and we were a little surprised. Well, at least I was surprised to see him uh, leave Tennessee after 2018. I, I thought he was a you know high character locker room guy, really good special teams player. Uh, granted, he's not great when he's 
when he has to fill in at linebacker, but that's not really his role. And I was I was surprised to see him uh, like to see us let him leave. Uh, but I'd love to have him back. Really, I think it'd be good competition for Dzubnar, and I think we need a number five inside linebacker anyway. So it, it just makes a lot of sense, and the special teams aspect of it is obviously crucial too, because he was one of our best special teams uh, coverage players when he was here. So it would definitely make make a ton of sense. Yeah, I mean, I think with depth pieces like that, especially when it's a veteran and you're going to have to sign them to essentially a guaranteed contract whenever they walk through the door. It, you want them to be guys who jump on board, who buy in immediately, who you know, basically the opposite of Vic Beasley. Like you want them to be guys who are ready to go. And I mean, Compton's great. Like everybody who, you know, maybe it's just because he's got a big personality. Maybe it's because he and Taylor LeJuan are such good friends, but for whatever reason, you know, he seems loved you know, by that locker room that's largely still there. The Titans lost Wesley Woodard this past year, and, you know, they don't have that guy. Like, they don't have a guy where if you need somebody to come in and give you a few run stops while somebody – while Rashawn's on the sideline or while Jayon's peck is hurting or shoulder or whatever, like, somebody who can come in there and you can say, okay, like, I need you to stop a run. And they've got that in David Long, I should say. But at the same time, you know, David Long – for as good as he is, he's also very, I, I don't want to say this is like, it's a too much of a negative thing, but he's over aggressive. And when you watch him on film, he tackles really strangely. Like he tries to like hit people full speed at the ankles and twist them down. It's, it's a real weird look, but if, if you lose Rashawn, you really don't have another guy who can, you know, jump up, take on a fullback and clear room for him. So, if you're, th- if you're looking at the roster and you're saying you've got Rashawn, who's just your top linebacker, like can do a little bit of everything, and then everybody else is specialized, I guess Zubnar or Zubnar or whatever, uh, however you pronounce his name. The Zubnar. Uh, yeah, I mean. Get it right, Will. A, come on. You, sh- you should not have a We're two weeks away from the season. In a name. Like an insane thing. Uh, special teams guy. Uh, yeah, like. It, he maybe he's that kind of guy. Maybe he's like Darren Bates was, where that's the role you want him in. But apparently not enough to where they didn't want to work out Will Compton. And Vrabel knows exactly what Will Compton is. So if they're if they're bringing him in for an invite and it's out in public, you have to assume they're leaning heavily towards signing him, or else, I mean, why even bring him in? Plus, I, I should say that I think the rule is now that you're only allowed to have people work out on campus. Uh, if you're intending on signing them, uh, unless it's like a big group workout. So I, I'm i not 100% sure on that, but I know that was the rule a few weeks ago. Yeah, and uh, your David Long point actually makes a lot of sense. He's kind of a smaller guy. I think his mold is more so as a Jayon direct replacement instead of like, like you said, a thumper. And Compton definitely is that. And we know he is that. He's been that. Uh, over the last couple of years in the NFL, and Zubnar just, you know, he's a pure special teams guy. So uh, a lot of good points were made, and I, I agree with him. Let's talk about something that's not really all that exciting from the Titans' perspective, and that is what Isaiah Wilson got himself into. The Titans' first-round pick was... Uh, listed on a police report, though he was not actually arrested because he didn't do anything wrong. 
uh, I want to get all the facts right, so I'm pulling up the article on on paulkuharski.com. Kuharski was the one who reported this. So Isaiah Wilson attended a party at Tennessee State University off-campus apartment. So it's not actually on the campus, just presumably with students. Uh, so Wilson received a trespass warning while some of the TSU students at the party uh, got in more trouble for drug, curfew, and runaway violations. Here's the bizarre part, and I think part of the reason why the New York Post uh, aggregated this story. If you go to the New York Post website, uh, they aggregated this. He nearly jumped off, or pondered jumping off, of a second-story balcony in order to escape police detection. And this, this, is, this is the excerpt from the report that Paul put on his website. Mr. Isaiah Wilson got up from the couch and ran to the balcony, attempting to jump from the second floor. Now, it also lists Mr. Darrington Evans as a part of this, but... It has, I think, been determined that he actually wasn't there because he and his agent have fervently denied this to Paul, that they were there and that there must have been a mistake of some kind. And from what I have seen on that front, I tend to kind of agree that a mistake might have been made. But y'all just go ahead. I mean, this is bizarre in a lot of ways. Very weird, very weird situation. Not what you want to see happen, especially so close to the season. I, I just, I feel like you would rather the players be, you know, very focused on, on the upcoming season, be focused on not like going out, you know, like actually social, socially distancing, uh, keeping your distance, you know, keeping healthy for the team, for yourself, for your family, stuff like that. So from that point of view, it's a little disappointing but from the point of view of like him going to a party and and getting you know the party getting shut down by cops or something like that, I don't, I'm not too like upset with it. Like he's 21 years old. I think a lot of the time we see this happen and we're like, oh, I can't believe they would make a a decision like this. But then you think about it and you're like, what was I doing at 21 years old? You know, I was doing the same thing. Granted, I don't have the same. We don't have the same level of responsibilities that these guys do. But, like, I'm not going to get upset with him over that. I'm just a little disappointed that that he couldn't just, you know, stay home, especially in the middle of a pandemic and just, you know, do his do his job and just go to practice, come home, spend time with his family or whatnot, uh, go back to practice and then just, you know, get ready for the NFL season. So from that point of view, yeah, uh, I was a little disappointed I'm not going to call him a bust yet, but uh, he's close. No, I'm kidding. He's not close. <laughs> well, Matias, I'll comment on something you said, and then Will, you can take over. But, you, you, you know, the whole, well, what was I doing at 21? You know, they're just kids. Like, I don't have a problem with an NFL player going to a party. I have a problem with an NFL player going to what clearly was a stupid party during the coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I- I'm with you there. Yeah, I mean, like there were illegal things happening at this party beyond the social distancing violations. That's the problem yeah. here. Yeah, like cops don't get called on. First of all, cops don't get po- called on parties in Nashville generally. Like, I mean, you, you can go down most streets in the city and see like something happening even well, now. So Kaharski's report doesn't make it seem like anybody was called. It says that burning marijuana coming from the balcony of the department drew officers 
to from their foot patrol. Uh, I mean, sure, maybe that happened. It, it, I don't know. Like, it seems very strange that you would be smoke. Uh, I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but that somebody would be smoking <laughs> weed on a balcony where cops are known to be on foot patrol. That seems strange, and, and it seems strange that somebody would be smoking weed in a place where people don't normally smoke weed. It's not like, I don't know. I, I don't want to go too far down that path. It's all weird. I don't know what happened. It, it seems strange to just do it, do, to do that because, you know, in my college experience, when I've been around people who've gotten in trouble or who've avoided getting in trouble, the people who avoid getting in trouble generally smoke it in their rooms away from people where they can just, throw something away if somebody decides to come in like and even then the cop wouldn't like freeze stay exactly where you are like the whole way up something else had to be going on but again that's too much conjecture i just want to talk about what we know um i i don't know like i know that wilson's so tired that he's sleeping in cold tubs at practice because we saw that from lawan's video like you know that it's not like He's just got an abundance of energy. So why go out and party? Like, I mean, I get it. Like, you're a millionaire now. Like, the world's your oyster. You're young. You know, all, all that's all that's going on, you know, great. Like, enjoy it. But it does seem like a strange time to do it, especially when you started off on the COVID list anyway. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if the Vic Beasley stuff has made us forget about it, but – Isaiah Wilson didn't start practice on time because he was forced to quarantine. So it's not like he doesn't know people that have gotten it. And maybe he got it and maybe he's th- he's got the antibodies and he's, you know, galaxy brain thinking. And he's like, well, I can't get it again or it's highly unlikely for me to get it again. So now's the perfect time to party and get it out of my system. Maybe best case scenario, that's what happened. But either way, it doesn't scream professionalism or – you know, second week on the job, hope I'm making a good impression. Cause that's, that's where we are now. So, you know, m- maybe it's a, it's a one-time incident. Maybe it's something like Lawan where Lawan, you know, got in trouble in college, kind of, you know, was out partying his first few years in the league and then straightened up. Maybe it's one of those situations, but it's not what you want to see if you're a team that was an AFC championship game last year and you're hoping your first round pick can eventually make that difference to push you up to the next level. Yeah. I, I, the Luan parallel is, is, is a good point. Uh, I'm another reason I'm disappointed is because this probably like signals that he's not going to contribute at all. His first year, probably it doesn't seem like he's ready for that workload and he, he's probably in the doghouse right now with the coaches. So that just makes this all the more disappointing, especially because we didn't love this first round pick to begin with. And now you're not going to get a first year contribution from your highest pick, you know? So it, it just sucks. It, it really does. And this is different from last year when Jeffrey Simmons was taken, like Jeffrey Simmons was a guy who was so valuable that, he had so much raw potential and so much talent and he was really kind of coming into his own his last year before he left. So you've got a young, talented, you know, one of your quote unquote, your classic steals, you know, late in the first round that made sense. Like that, that you're like, okay, that's a position to need. It'll help him down the road with the cap space. It's an impact player who can be, you know, 
worth way more than you spend on him in the draft, that's great. The Titans reached for Isaiah Wilson. Like, no, no matter what way you split it, who you listen to, the Titans tried to trade down. I mean, that that rumor is almost basically agreed on at this point, is that the Titans wanted to move out of the first round. Nobody would give them an offer they liked, so they just took the guy they would have traded down for anyway. If you take a guy you were going to trade down for, it's because he was in a pot of players and you really didn't have any different grades on any of them. So it's not like the Titans said, thank goodness we got so lucky that he fell into our laps. It's more like, you know, we got 10 seconds left on the clock. I guess we'll take that guy. And that sort of move is never inspiring anyway. But in the best case scenario, that guy comes in and immediately shows that he can be worth that pick. It, it just looks like, like I agree with Matias. it just looks like the Titans are going to lose a year on an expensive contract for a player who, whose athleticism testing and whose body type doesn't suggest offensive tackle, it suggests guard. So, I mean, I guess we'll see, but it is very frustrating. It, it's just, it's it's not good, and you hope that he learns from, from this and that they don't have any more problems because the last thing that they or anyone else needs is an outbreak. And, of course, you know, the stuff happened this weekend, too, where 77 NFL players had a false positive test. And so, like, the NFL is doing a pretty good job of keeping the coronavirus under control. I believe that ultimately, once the tests all came back and they had the correct results of over 6,000 tests, there was not one positive. So that's good. But uh, you just don't want to play with fire. And, and I think... It's one thing for, you know, someone who's not going to be around a lot of people. You know, you all listening to this podcast, the level of seriousness with which you are taking the coronavirus, you know, doesn't affect nearly the amount of people that an NFL player taking it seriously does. Like, that's kind of what's at play here. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it happen in baseball. One one or two people going out to to a bar during a road trip or something like that, and then the entire series gets canceled and the team can't play for however amount of time. You know, it's that that's what could happen in the NFL because we're not in a bubble situation like the NBA and the NHL is. So it's just so crucial for these guys to actually follow all the rules. And to this point, it hasn't... It hasn't come back to bite anyone, or at least that's what the NFL tells us. I, I don't know. I don't know how much I, I want to believe that there's actually zero positive tests out of how many thousands. I don't know about that, but it just doesn't make sense to to run the risk and just for to go to a party. I mean, just stay at home, man. It's really not that hard. I've been doing it for the past five months. It's not that difficult. Well, I've said the last thing anything ever like should aim for is to be baseball. Like, don't ever like that's your worst case scenario is to be baseball in any aspect of your sport. So, as long as the NFL can kind of avoid that, great. But yeah, I mean, like, I'm usually the one with conspiracy theories. I think that there's no way that the NFL could not that they couldn't fake it, but I think this weekend was a good example of them showing that they're not faking it because they had other tests that like helped prove the false positives and they instantly got that corrected. So I'm hoping that that's more evidence, the contrary of no, these aren't real. Like, like 
the these are the fake ones. You're the, all the all the correct negatives you're getting are not the ones that are being fraudulent. So let's let's just stay with the positive vibes because I cannot be any more negative after talking about Isaiah Wilson. <laughs> so let's move on to something that's uh, a little well. Actually, I, we're going to stay in the same territory. We're talking about <laughs> Earl Thomas. Though he, oh, I don't no, know that positive. I don't know that he committed any criminal activity necessarily. He did punch a teammate apparently. Uh, kind of odd. Like this happened very quickly. I was sitting having my peaceful Sunday lunch at Denny's yesterday when this news came out that Earl Thomas was going to be released by the Baltimore Ravens. I'm surprised I have not seen any Titans fans being like, "Should we bring in Earl Thomas because I think he could really help the team." Um, Hmm. But Earl Thomas is out there. You figure he's going to be a cowboy. He might already be by the time that you're listening to this podcast. It just that's kind of the big news in the NFL this week. I mean, I don't really have an opinion on it other than you know, I will say my first thought when I saw that was that's how much Baltimore cares about their culture. That they're willing to say no, no, no. We don't put up with that from even a you know potentially future Hall of Famer. Yeah, and usually if you're talented enough, they'll just, you know, brush this off to the side. But I, I think it shows what the Baltimore Ravens have built, you know, as an organization, and they don't want to jeopardize that with just one bad egg, especially because he's not really in decline. He was he was probably a top five safety in the league last year, uh, possibly top three. He was a pro bowler, so... As a Titans fan, like, this is good. This is good news because the Ravens just got weaker. And they're one of our direct competitors, as we saw last year. We beat them with Earl Thomas, but, you know, they've they've gotten a couple new pieces. So they're going to be back. Uh, they're going to be really good again. So seeing them weakened by losing a Pro Bowl safety, you know, never hurts. Yeah, you know, good for them for seeing it for their culture, like, They've got a ton of great defensive backs. I think ultimately they'll be fine. But anytime you can see somebody else thinned out because somebody who kind of, and you know, I don't know how much smack Earl Thomas was really talking before the Titans game anyway. I think it was more like fans and the team kind of worked it up. But he really just said, I think we can tackle Derrick Henry, which to be fair is pretty offensive to all of us because we've seen <laughs> how impossible that is. Um, so, you know, it's it's good to see him kind of released, but yeah, like I don't know, like he's he's good, but with all these older safeties like the Eric Weddles and all that, like everybody talks about how good they are, and I get it, like I watch them and they're good, but maybe it's just after being spooled by watching Bayard for so many years, it's like you know you can have a transcendent safety again, like I think Kevin Bayard is, like but. I don't know. Like, you have to have the other pieces. I mean, we've seen Kevin Byard be on teams that are just not very good on defense. We've seen Kevin Byard be clearly a star and not get recognized for it. It's all about framing. So, you know, Earl Thomas, I think, at this point in his career is a bigger name than he is a player. I think he's going to go to somewhere like Dallas where everybody will emphasize all the good plays he makes and not talk about him getting absolutely run over. So, you know, more power to him. And I would stay out of the AFC if I was him too, but I, I don't know. I think he's about to get, I think the next deal he gets will be the worst for whatever team picks him up. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have got 
more topics to hit on with the Titans. We're going to talk about the receivers, something that we can't ever seem to do enough of on the No Nonsense podcast. We're also going to talk about the Titans' backup quarterback situation because if you listen to our last episode, you know that we recorded it before the Titans signed Trevor Simeon and Cole McDonald. So we're going to share our thoughts on that in 30 seconds. Okay, guys, so the Titans cut Cole McDonald a week into his NFL career. It seemed like a a pretty harsh thing to do, but, I mean, clearly they saw something that made them think there was no hope for that situation this season. Arthur Smith said today they just thought Trevor Simeon was going to be a better competition at the backup quarterback spot with Logan Woodside. Uh, So they bring in Trevor Simeon. They did work out Deshaun Kaiser. Thankfully, they did not bring him in so that I don't have to explain to everyone why he's never been any good uh, at any level. He almost got uh, Brian Kelly. Not Brian Kelly. That was the center. Uh, Notre Dame's coach. I'm having a... It was Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. Then who am I... Who is this? Was Ryan Kelly the center? Yeah, Ryan Kelly's the center. Okay. Yes. Brian Kelly, that's confusing. Anyway, he almost got Brian retired. Kelly fired. No. Is Ryan Kelly still playing? He yes. He's Colts, right? He's like 28. Okay. We've gone off the rails. Continue. <laughs> but Ryan Kelly, <laughs> the center, did Donzo. play for Brian Kelly, the coach, at Notre Dame. Anyway, the, the Titans brought in Trevor Simeon to be uh, a competitor at the backup quarterback spot. He struggled a little bit in his first few days of practice. Uh, I wrote about this situation on Monday morning, so I'm curious as to what you guys think about this because we kind of went over the backup problems at nauseum last week. Are they any better now, do you think? I do because we were just going to roll with Logan Woodside, so I think Trevor Simeon is better than Logan Woodside. I mentioned it when we talked about it on the last pod. I thought they were going to sign Trevor Simeon. It was because they had already worked him out and there were already bad reviews about Logan Woodside's performance in practice. So it was a no-brainer, really, to me. So I'm glad they did because you can you can't you cannot go into an NFL season with the level of backup quarterback play being Logan Woodside. Like we've seen it in preseason games, Luke has seen it in practice. It's just it's just not good enough. What I was surprised by is that they cut Cole McDonald instead of Logan Woodside because Cole McDonald, at least, is a rookie. You invested a seventh-round pick in him, uh, which, you know, doesn't really matter, but it's still draft capital. Like, you wasted a pick on him. And he's also a development guy. He, like, he's he's a project, and they admitted to that when they drafted him. They've been admitting to that uh, over the entire summer. So it was just weird. It was It was weird to see them cut him. I wouldn't be surprised if he does make it back onto the practice squad, but I'm just wondering how terrible he must have looked in practice to, for him to get cut this quickly, uh, especially given that they invested draft capital in him and they knew he was going to be a development guy. Yeah, I, I I keep going back to why him and not Woodside because McDonald might be bad, but we, we all know you know, Woodside's bad, right? Like we all saw him in the AFL, you know, or yeah, AAF. I was like, that's not the name of it, but I've forgotten at this point. Like, I mean, he's like, I'm sure he's a nice guy and like, he's a good camp body to have around. And I'm sure he's somebody that you could have come back over and over and over again. But 
I mean, I don't know that there's any upside there. And that happens with a lot of Titans players. And I think we said, I think I said this exact same thing last week, which is there's a lot of nice guys on the Titans roster who I think are there more for their locker room leadership and what they bring to that room more than what they bring to the football field. So maybe Woodside's a really intelligent guy. Like maybe that's what they're looking for in Simeon, but Simeon's a better fit. We, I mean, we've seen him in this zone scheme. You know, we've seen him have success. We've seen him have four touchdown games multiple times. Like that, that's, that's one of those things where, you know, somebody says, well, yeah, but you know, you throw it enough against a bad defense, you can score four touchdowns. That's not true. Like I've seen a lot of quarterbacks come through Tennessee and never score four touchdowns before. And, you know, it doesn't matter how many times they throw. So having a guy who's been in the system, who's already said this is a lot like that system in Denver that he thrived in, who, you know, basically did more with less than what the Titans have now in Denver should be a better end result than, you know, either Cole McDonald or uh, Woodside. So I think at the end of the day, you have to feel better. I'm worried that because they brought him in and threw him into the fire immediately and he's not immediately thriving and picking it up. I'm worried that that's something long-term or like not long-term, that short-term they'll say, okay, it's a better long-term investment to keep Woodside because Simeon just doesn't have it after his injury or something like that. But that, that just can't be the right answer. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's a different quarterback that maybe hits the open market, but going backwards doesn't seem like the right play. So hopefully it's Simeon or an upgrade out there. But at this point, you have to think if they bring somebody who's a veteran in, who's not a super young guy, not super athletic or anything like that, they're basically telling you this is our floor for backup. If anybody else can beat that, great. But Simeon's the guy you have to beat for the spot, not anybody else. So – I feel more comfortable with that situation now, but like I said, it, it's not like you've got a world beater. It just helps that he fits the exact scheme you're going to run. Well, look, here's the problem with all of this, and if you're listening to this podcast on Wednesday, it's that the Titans are 10 days away from having to make final roster cuts. So, like, is that going to give Trevor Simeon enough time to get – integrated into the playbook where you can get a real evaluation of him and figure out is he actually better than Woodside, which he probably is, but, you know, maybe not. If it, it's The Titans have put themselves in an unfavorable position at backup quarterback because they waited so long to address the position. The three of us, plenty of reporters, plenty of fans, all offseason were saying, where's the backup quarterback going to come? When are you going to bring in the backup quarterback? And over and over and over, all we heard was, well, Logan Woodside's working so hard. And Logan Woodside's doing <laughs> such a great job. hes I'm sure he is a great worker. I'm sure he's a nice guy. But anybody who watched the Titans practice last year, anyone who watched the preseason last year, know that he's just doesn't have it. It's just not there. Like, when I say that he's too small – I'm not just criticizing his size. I'm saying that because he's small, there's no power on the ball. He's going to get killed if he goes out there. And again, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to be a realist. You're not going to win a football game with Logan Woodside as your quarterback, and the Titans should have known that. And this is, again, and I say this with the caveat of they were really good at the end of last season, and they make a lot of really good decisions 
but they tend to see things as an ideal future instead of how they really are. They wanted Logan Woodside to be the backup. They wanted him to be able to succeed. I don't know that they were actually convinced it would happen. They just wanted it to, so they gave it the chance. And now, with less than a week left of training camp, it's not going to happen. And you've got this dude in here, Trevor Simeon, who hadn't really played other than a game where he tore his ankle in half in two years. It's just, it's not, they're not in a great position at backup quarterback. And obviously the hope and, and, you know, what likely will happen is Tannehill just plays every game and you don't have to worry about it. But they put themselves in this situation. This is not a, oh, how unlucky the Titans are, the, the rookie. They should have known. And don't give me that they didn't have OTA, so they had no way of knowing. That's even more reason why this move should have come earlier. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree with everything you said, and it, it's it's weird. I I feel like the Titans have always done things, especially since John Robinson um, has been, you know, the GM. I feel like they've always done stuff from a practical, logical, logical perspective. But this offseason has been it's been weird. Honestly, I don't know if a lot of the moves just have been a little mind boggling. Like the Vic Beasley one, we're still not. We, don't, we still don't really understand uh, trading Casey. While it made kind of sense, they didn't back it up with any other signing. Uh, you have the backup quarterback thing. The receivers are still an issue, with, which we're going to talk about. Uh, and it's just been it's just been the Isaiah Wilson pick that we, di- we didn't really understand at the time, and we still kind of don't understand. It's been it's been weird. I don't know. This has been one of my most skeptical off seasons uh, for the front office. And yeah, I, I don't. I feel like they should have just signed a backup. I I don't know what they were thinking with, with Logan was that maybe they maybe they were scarred emotionally from the Matt Castle and Blaine Gabbert signings that worked out so terribly, and they invested like a decent amount of money in it. But I don't know. You like you could have gone out and just signed Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel's been. He's fine. Like he can actually win you games. He's actually won games uh, for the Bears. He's actually he looked better than Trubisky at times last year. So I don't I don't know. I, I, Bortles is still out there. I, I know we don't love him, and he throws a lot of interceptions. But he's better than he's better than Logan Woodside. He's better than Trevor Simeon. So I don't know. It like I said, it, it's been a weird off season, and. I don't know if maybe the the coronavirus had something to do with it. It just kind of threw it, the, the equilibrium off, but it's been weird. And hopefully, hopefully, it doesn't actually affect the wins and losses this coming season. It, the whole off season seems like it was built around the idea of we're going to be a better team running the ball. We're going to add depth at different places to make sure that even if we have an injury or two, we can still live by that identity. And then everything else was secondary. You know, it was their number one goal in uh, in the draft. In free agency, they didn't add any starters. They just brought in Vic Beasley, probably just because they had money burning a hole in their pocket. But, I mean, their first priorities were to franchise and then sign Derrick Henry and then to keep Tannehill. So, you know, this whole offseason has been about this is what worked. Let's make sure it's all in place for the foreseeable future and then go on from there. And I think in that process, 
and maybe it's because the first time it's the first time that Robinson hadn't had any major holes to fill at starters at the starter positions, but you know, he really only had to get somebody to replace Conklin. They knew they were getting a third round compensatory pick. And that's kind of how it looked like they played it. It looked like they wanted the comp pick, like they wanted the cheaper deal long-term at tackle, that they thought they'd bring in a pass rusher to make sure that they didn't negate that third-round pick, but that they also added something that they kind of wanted, and then they just moved on from there. So, you know, it it is frustrating because – and and, I, and it probably won't hurt the team, but it does seem like a move that all of us knew should have happened, and then it never came. And maybe they thought that they could have found some developmental talent in the draft, and they were really confident, and that you know the coaches spent so much time with Woodside last year that they were just sure that he was a high-end backup or that he had that kind of potential. And then they came into camp, and it turns out now that you can't see him in a preseason game, everybody's panicking, and you don't really know how much you want to commit to him. And then now that we're a week in, you're cutting bait on everybody, and you're saying, let's just get a high floor and re-roll next year. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I think Simeon's fine. Like, I I know he came in late. I have issue with him coming in late, too. But – if you're going to bring somebody in who's coming late, bring in somebody from a similar system and then just say, if you ever get in, just throw it number 11 or hand it to 22. That's, that's all you really need to do. And, and I think they've got that in place. So I'm cautiously optimistic that Simeon will turn out better, but would I have liked it to happen two weeks ago? Yeah. But also they hadn't seen Cole McDonald play yet. So, you know, it's it's hard for me to criticize them for saying we're going to take an uber-athletic guy who threw for a whole bunch of yards in college, and we're not even going to take a look at him. I mean, you are right, Will, and the reality of it is, is if Ryan Tannehill gets hurt, they're screwed pretty much anyway. I mean, as most teams are. Uh, now, Matias, you brought up a very interesting point about how this move was a little confusing, uh, not bringing a backup quarterback. I want to touch on that a little bit more because the more you talked and the more moves you listed, I wrote a few down here. It was an off-brand off-season for John Robinson, who I think has earned the implicit trust of Titans fans, right? They all use the NJ Rob we trust hashtag. But what John Robinson has prided himself on or seemingly uh, been patterned on as a general manager just really didn't happen this offseason. So, you know, not bringing... Last year, right, you didn't know what was going to happen with Mariota, so what do they do? They go trade for Tannehill. Very aggressive. Let's have the backup plan. This year, shaky backup quarterback situation, they say, eh, we'll see what happens. Vic Beasley, guy with some character concerns in the past. Atlanta Falcons didn't make him an offer when he was at the end of his rookie contract bringing him in and then continuing to put up with him after he missed 10 days of practice, started camp on NFI, and has yet to appear to practice. Jarrell Casey trade, seemingly without a purpose. Just getting cap for the sake of having cap, which I have multiple times said is a sign that you have a bad general manager. Just weird. Again, we have yet to see if they're going to do anything with that cap space. And we've been over it time and time again. Yes, Jarrell Casey's declined, but he's also better than Laurel Murchison and Matt Dickerson. I think they would probably rather have him than those guys. And then the other one is kicker. 
you are the worst kicking team in the history of the NFL since 1980, and what do you do to fix it? Literally nothing except bring in an undrafted free agent who had a bad kicking percentage in college. This was a very, when you look at it, and I'm glad you brought this up, Matias, this was a very bizarre offseason and very off-brand for John Robinson. Now, these are all kind of minor issues, and it's not going to, you know, we're not going to be sitting here, I don't think, unless, you know, Greg Joseph is just terrible. We're not going to be sitting here in week 13 and the Titans are out of playoff contention and we're like, well, if they had only not signed Vic B, like, they're minor, but still all weird in their own way. Yeah, yeah. I, I called it weird, but I think off-brand is probably the best, like, way to describe it. Uh, it just, it didn't seem pragmatic, really, the way they went about things. I, I, I mean, it'll probably work out because John Robinson has done just the right things. He's pushed the right buttons ever since he got here. So is Mike Rabel, even though his decisions are bad. You know, they, they've built a good culture. They've built a really good roster uh, together. So, like, they deserve the benefit of the doubt. But what concerns me is that after the Chiefs game, my my prevailing thought was this Derrick Henry-based offense is great and it could get us really far, but it can't get us over that next hump because the NFL is just so pass-centric that you need to be able to throw the ball when the running game isn't working. That didn't happen in the Chiefs game. On the other side of the ball, we weren't getting any pass rush. We didn't have any pass rush pretty much all season, and it came back to haunt us in the end in the most important game of the season. And fast forward to the offseason, we go all in on the running offense. We really didn't did, didn't like uh, didn't address uh, the receiver position. Didn't get another but tight end, maybe a pass catcher. The only receivers they added were UDFAs. Yeah, exactly. And on the defensive side of the ball, we added Vic Beasley to the pass rush, and we got rid of one of our pass rushers, which for, on the interior, which was Casey. So. I don't know, man. Like it was, it was really impractical. I, I thought the way they they went about things, uh, they're kind of still going about it in that way. I don't know what's up. It'll probably work out anyway because they have a really talented roster. Uh, Vrabel's a good coach, and, and you know the culture's good. But I don't, I don't know. Like, like I, th- I think I'm a little more. A lot of people are saying like we can win twelve to thirteen games. I, I, I. I don't. I, I I'm kind of in a in a negative light going into the season, and I don't know if I'm wrong to be there. Well, you're. I mean, you're in a negative mindset, and that you think that a running like a run first team ish probably won't finish the NFL with the best record, right? Like that's kind yes, of what you're saying. Kind but, of. I mean, that is exactly what the 49ers did, and I know they had really good edge rushers or whatever, but at the same time, they also didn't have one of the best safeties in the NFL. Like, they didn't have as consistent an offensive line because they had a bunch of injuries. You and I both believe that Tannehill is much better than Garoppolo. Correct. I think think we would say that A.J. Brown is the superior rookie wide receiver to Debo Samuel. And if you look at the results and the yards and – the points and all that, especially when you consider the terrible special teams the Titans had. If you look at all that when Tannehill took over to the end of the playoffs, you probably get it. You get a team that I think, what were they, nine and three? Is that right? Uh, so you get a team that ultimately has a, you know, 
75% win percentage. Like if you do that over the course of the season, you're a 12 win team. So I think that's where a lot of it comes from now. Is there some regression from Tannehill's efficiency? Yeah, probably. But do you also probably get more than 300 yards out of John New Smith or 400 or whatever he had? Yeah, probably. Do you probably get more out of Corey Davis? I think so. You know, we can have that debate a different time. But you for sure don't get Taylor Lewan suspended for the first games of the first four games of the season. You get hopefully a Roger Saffold who's not very very bad for the first ten weeks of the season. You don't put a lot of eggs in the Delaney Walker basket. Like I think they're hoping that they can keep continuity and they want the guys on the field who know what work. Now, a lot of this is me looking in hindsight and saying, you know, 2020 hindsight's always right or whatever, because they didn't know about the pandemic coming. They didn't, I mean, they knew, but they didn't know how long it was going to take. They didn't know about the future cap hit and all that kind of stuff. So if I try to mask it as this is them making sure that they're saving cap, it's hard for me to do, but I think I think you can spin it both ways, but it definitely isn't an inspiring offseason. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to put it. Like as I said, the Titans are going to be fine. I think these are all minor things. I mean, they've got a franchise quarterback. You got Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, some good players on defense. You know, you're going to be fine. But concerning and weird, I think are, are accurate words to describe this. I do want to talk about the receivers first before we last before we get into stop the nonsense because I think that uh, we've had another week to kind of look at what's come out of training camp. There's been a lot of, of hype surrounding Khalif Raymond. Uh, he's kind of been the big name to, to come out of training camp. Will, you, you have a great relationship with Cam Batson. You know, it's interesting to me because Matias, you wrote about this, so I definitely want you to talk to us about it. But. I think Khalif Raymond probably is going to be a pretty good player for him this year. I think they can keep deploying him on those, you know, once or twice a game, take a big shot downfield because he's the only guy they have that can really fly like that. But then otherwise, you know, I, I don't think Batson's going to make it. I think he's had his chance and, and just hadn't shown anything. I think Rashard Davis probably is the next guy, I would guess, in line after Khalif Raymond. Then you have Hollister, who was on the active roster at one point last year. It's all very interesting. Uh, Khalif Raymond has certainly, I think, uh, induced some more confidence in some Titans fans who might have been saying, well, why didn't they add the receiver position? I know he certainly has made me start to ask those questions a little less. And it's less about, oh, he's the camp stud for me so much as, He's getting the opportunities. He's doing something with them. And, okay, maybe last year, because he's done it in games, maybe last year wasn't a fluke and they can continue to deploy him as this situational weapon. Yeah, I, I, little, I wrote a little bit about it because this is obviously my favorite topic. Um, but, I mean, Raymond is he's, – he's good. He, like, he's the fourth receiver without a doubt. Uh, the only concern I have with him is is how small he is. There just aren't that many 5'9", 185 receivers that, you know, uh, play a lot of snaps. And he's only caught 10 passes in his career. Like, that is – that's not it's not great. So uh, I'd like to see a little bit more production before I put, you know, all my eggs in a basket. But he's done it in games, like you said. He's fast. He can beat 
uh, NFL cornerbacks. We've seen him do it before, and by all accounts, he's had a really good, a really good uh, offseason training camp. So that's good. I'm expecting him to really take hold of that number four position, and hopefully, they use him a little bit more than just as a deep threat because. By the videos I've seen out of training camp, his route running looks really good. So I'd like to see him see them use him a little more. Maybe he has a little bit of uh, yards after catch ability that, that we haven't been able to, to see until this point. I find it interesting that you say Batson isn't going to make the team because it seems like the Titans just are in love with him. I don't know why. Well, like I, I, You know, Will keeps saying that. I haven't heard it as much this year as we've heard it in the past. Mm-hmm. It, it normally comes up. I haven't seen them go out of their way to be like, well, you know who's really flashing is Cam Batson. Like, I've barely noticed him during the practices that I've been to and the ones that I've seen videos of. I I don't know. I might just be perceiving it differently than than you all are, Uh, and that's certainly a possibility. No, yeah, no, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make the team. Like, he hasn't really ever done anything, and – I was just assuming that the Titans were going to keep, keep six receivers, but I think the Jeff Swaim signing on the tight end actually leans them to into only keeping five. Uh, like we saw a couple of years ago where we thought they were going to keep like eight and they ended up only keeping five. Uh, so I could definitely see that scenario playing out, especially because you can use Ferkser and Janu as like traditional, uh, traditional receiver spots. So you really don't need to keep six, especially when the fifth is already, you know, a questionable roster fringe guy. Yeah, I, I think they'll keep four tight ends and make Swaim the fourth, uh, along with Pruitt and Ferkser and, and Johnny Smith. I will say this, uh, two things. Number one, next week we'll be doing our, you know, 53-man roster predictions. And then the episode after that, we will be previewing Titans versus Broncos. How crazy is that? That's weird. I'm ready for it. <laughs> yeah, like I, I have an article that I was writing today, uh, trying to get notes on and stuff. There's only it, the Titans have been taking uh, days off after they've had three practices a day off, three practices a day off, and they've been doing that. So, and that that looks like it's going to happen this week again. But you know, if you look at it like that, I think there's only something like nine practices left before the the game before the game. Sorry before the week before the game. So it when you put it like that, single-digit practices before you're ready to play a team is crazy because we've never been in a situation like this before. Like, even in college football, when it exists, you usually get to see, you know, Tennessee take on South Alabama, or, you know, you get to see Alabama play the husk of USC. You know, you, you get to see something that, like, is like, okay – You've seen them go through warm-ups. They're good. They're ready to play. Now it's just like, I hope everybody's you know in shape. Like I hope everybody's ready for a full 60-minute game because we haven't seen you since January. And we were we, you know, one of the four fan bases who got to see their team the most recent. So, I mean, imagine if you're the Jets or if you're the Bengals. Like, you've got no idea what your team looks like now. It's tough. It really is tough. Um, unless you have any, I have a question. Okay, if you don't think Batson makes a team, who do you think is the fifth? Is it Davis? Probably Davis, because I, I I would think they'll want him to return punts. That's what I would do, certainly. 
I was looking at his his college punt return stats are crazy. Set a conference so, record for touchdowns in a season. Yeah, he had four on 15 punt returns, which is just wild efficiency. So if he's good, put him out there. We can't do worse than what we've had at punt return over the past couple of years. Yeah, Craig Ackerman, I asked him today about uh, what we kind of talked about last week, finding the balance between just catch it and don't lose the ball versus getting yards. And he said – I always tell them that, you know, you can try to get 10 yards, whatever you want, but priority number one is make sure the offense gets the ball. And I'm like, well, if that's your priority, then I think you would want to keep Rashard Davis because he at least has experience and knows what to do. It's not going to be like you know, poor Cam Batson or some of these other guys that they've tried yeah, out there. Yeah, that's a lot of big talk from a guy who's trotted out Cam Batson and Adoree Jackson. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. All right, it's time for Stop the Nonsense, where we air our grievances with, with mankind. If you like Stop the Nonsense and you want a t-shirt, you can go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash pod, where we have all kinds of no-nonsense podcast gear. I'll start this week, uh, since you two have started the last few weeks. Uh, my no-nonsense, for the, or my Stop the Nonsense for this week, involves Corey Davis, but it has nothing to do with Corey Davis himself. I am not calling out Corey Davis. Let us make that very clear off the bat. So, and, and I sent you guys this earlier in the week. I I am very hard on Corey Davis. A lot of it is is joking to kind of get Will riled up, and we have a lot of fun on the show talking about it. But I will say this. What does kind of irritate me is when I scroll through Twitter and I see Titans fans putting Corey Davis on a pedestal of being some kind of revelation of a player because he is a good blocker. Guys, that's what you draft tight ends in the sixth round to do. That's not what you draft a top five receiver for. And, and Will, I'm scrolling back to try to find the message that you sent because you, you just nailed it as for the, the real problem with this. Because you've got to find a balance between you know, he can't. Okay, here here's what you said. You said Corey Davis isn't a bust just because he doesn't have a thousand yard seasons every year, but he also necessarily wasn't worth a top five pick because he can block. I think it's almost confirmation bias of like I love Corey Davis. I want him to be good. Uh, he's a high effort and good technique blocker. He's really good. Ha ha. He's a good blocker. It's like, guys, 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 he should be a good pass catcher. He should be good at getting open and making plays with the football. And again, this isn't Corey Davis slander. It's, I'm not trying to anyway. It's the Titans fans who are trying to convince themselves that he's a lot better than he actually is because he blocks. I mean, that's not... Help me explain this here, because, like, yeah, it's good I'll, that he blocks, and he's a good blocker <laughs> wide receiver. Oh, of course. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm on your side here. Like I said, like, I agree. Like, there's I, – I am an unabashed, you know, Corey Davis fan. I think we all know that. But you shouldn't point to his blocking as that's his blue-chip quality. That's why <laughs> exactly. he's – Like, that. I mean, you know – 
Luke's not wrong. Like you don't spend top five picks on a guy because he's a really good blocking receiver. As useful as that may be for your offense, sometimes during a game, I mean it, it's the same reason why you don't spend a pick on a, a top five pick on a guard. Like it's a wasted pick. Like what you take people for is you say, okay, with Corey Davis, you want him to make a difference, and when he gets volume, my argument has always been the more volume he gets, the better he is. You know. When you stand, I've sent our DMs are littered with me filtering out people by volume and where Corey Davis is, you know, basically Juju Smith Schuster, except he doesn't stay in an offensive passes 500 times a game, you know, or 500 times a year. So, all that is to say, you know, Luke is right. You should not be standing on that pedestal saying, like, look, this is a great receiver because he can block. That, we we have AJ Brown. It's okay to say, okay, that guy is worth a top five pick because he's transcendent with the ball in his hands. Like that's more valuable to the team than a good block is. And uh, you know that doesn't hurt me at all to say as a Corey Davis fan. Like you should want him to be more like AJ Brown and less like 2019, 2018, 2017 Corey Davis. And that's okay to say. Like it's okay to want more from your players who should be your stars. And I think that Corey Davis can get there or can be some approximation of that. So I mean, that's where I would that's what I would say to that. It's like if you've got a kicker missing kicks right and left and you're like, Yeah, but he's really good at kickoffs. At getting touchbacks. Exactly. Well if that's he's very, missing field goals, who cares? It's a good analogy, really. Yeah, I I, I don't really understand it. And I, I feel like I mean every fan base I'm sure does it, but Times fans do this all the time where they just not, not that Corey Davis is bad, but I feel like they always like find something or some player and they hype it up to a point where it's just it doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, and it's it's not fun to deal with on either side because people like Luke get frustrated at it and people like me also get frustrated because my like you're kind of muddling the argument with something that's hard to define. But yeah, like yeah, focus like, on his route running. He's a really good yeah. route runner. Like, do yeah. that. Put some clips yeah. of that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, for, for you, Will, it's like when someone who's in a stereotyped group has to deal with someone else in that group acting like the stereotype. Yeah, it is It is very frustrating. <laughs> uh, it's I, I don't want to say it's a lot like Mariota because we all, uh, we all, me specifically, have bad memories of that. But it is a <laughs> lot like that where it's like, He's great because he's a winner, and it's like, well, no, hold on, that's not my argument. Don't lump me in with that group of people who's saying he's a winner. Like, <laughs> exactly. it's not just that. It's so. Um, let's not repeat those mistakes again. I'll jump in and go ahead and give mine because mine's real quick because uh, we've we've talked about it before and we all know the situation. But uh, Pete Thamel said earlier today that uh, Central Arkansas and North Coast State will play a game in the fall after both conferences, I believe, had it had agreed not to play any sports this fall because of COVID and all that. And as fun as it is, I, I mean, I'm all for college football. But if your point is it's unsafe for us to practice, and this game is going to take place in October, I should say. If your point is it's unsafe for them to practice and to be in, you know, confined areas with people and this, that, and the other. Like if you say that, Okay, like it's it's your decision. You know, we can talk about whether we agree with it or disagree with it. There's no disagreeing that the pandemic is real. And unless you're confident in your safety measures in place 
and how committed your student athletes are or whatever you want to call them uh, to that, like to confining themselves and staying away. You know, if you can't commit to that, then don't play the games. But to play one game is insane because what? that's months and months of preparations. Go ahead. What is this for? Is it like a for fun type of deal? I mean, I don't know. Like, it, like it's the whole thing is North Who's Dakota State paying for play. this. I don't know, but I know North Dakota Isn't State. Isn't it just a showcase game for for Lance for Trey Lance? Yeah, but what's like? what's the difference in terms of like grouping people together and like doing all that? Like my, my point is how can you have this event and also say that you can't have any more events or that it's okay to just have one football game because it's not like they're going to start practicing in October. Like that mean they're going to continue practicing now and go like through just like they were having a normal season, except they're spending more time in practice. When, like, when are they playing? They're going to be so rusty. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like October fourteenth or something. No, so, it, and then I don't, I like, I don't know if they're going to try to play it in the spring or, or like, I don't know what they're going to do after that. But it, it's such a weird thing. Like, either commit to playing later, or commit to not playing at all, or commit to playing in the fall. But whatever you do, you can't constantly change like this. Like, there was enough time to push back dates. That's my frustration. Is everybody is so quick to completely cancel stuff or to move it six months down the road or whatever arbitrarily because there's nothing that says that in three months we'll be, you know, at a certain checkpoint. Like by the, when all these were canceled, like numbers weren't going up. I think they were going down, but they're going down slightly. Like it's just my frustration with this whole process where it's clearly about money and it's not about like player safety. And the sooner everybody just admits that and everybody unionizes the better, but it's so frustrating to deal with this like, kind of like fake oh we're worried about the kids but only when it's not october 14th so my thing with this is if this is like a showcase for trey lance because i mean there aren't a lot of other like nfl potential players in this game if this is just to like show him off what is why what is the point what what has changed what is going to change in one game that has changed from one year ago like he, he, he do you think he got worse over the span of a year, over this, yeah. over quarantine, and like it, especially like Central Arkansas, like why not schedule like USC or something? Like I mean, if you're gonna schedule somebody, schedule up. Don't just schedule like another team without NFL players or like with one NFL player on the defense. Like if you want to showcase them, showcase them against somebody that matters, or just don't do it. Yeah, no, it, it's it's so dumb. Speaking of dumb, I'm gonna jump into my stop the nonsense. So. There was a clip. This is one part. There was a clip that Bleacher Report Gridiron. I don't know what they are. I guess they're like, I don't know. It's it's like a, an NFL-centric social media account. They posted a clip saying Adam Thielen's route running with the angry emoji, like the blowing blowing smoke out of the nose. And he gets no separation on the cornerback in this clip. And <laughs> I just don't get it. Like, I see this all the time. People posting clips. Oh, look at this route running. And it's like a terrible route where the quarterback just completely gets lost. And it is, it's so dumb, man. Like, I don't understand. And it has a ton of, it has two 2,000 likes. I don't understand it. Uh, I also saw one today of LaVisca Chenault. 
I mean, it was an okay route, and then he dropped the pass, and then everyone's like fawning over his route. So my man, Lavishka Shin Shinault nailed it. Got it. So that's annoying. The other thing that annoyed me, also on social media, so Gordon Hayward got injured. And uh, apparently there was an article about him speaking about it and and the impact it would have on the Boston Celtics. And then Woj, Woj Narowski, like the main NBA guy for ESPN, he quote tweets it. He says, telling stat on Gordon Hayward this season, he is the only player in NBA history to average at least 17 points, six and a half rebounds, four assists, shoot 50% overall, 36% on three-pointers, with a usage rate below 22%. Like, I cannot think of a more arbitrary, cherry-picked stat. If I even—if Hollywood wrote it, man, I don't understand this this process, this idea of using a to-the-dot stat when— Let's say it was 37% on three-pointers. He wouldn't qualify for the stat. It is so dumb. It doesn't make sense to me. And I see this in every sport, every single sport. Like this guy, his target share was 17.8%. Like I don't I don't understand it, man. These qualifiers, in order to get your point across, just never make sense to me. And, and I'm sick of it, really. You clearly – haven't spent time like I have where I've been looking for somebody with that exact stat for as long as <laughs> basketball has been around. I mean, he's clearly the chosen one. <laughs> so I don't know how you could not be waiting for that like, prophecy to be fulfilled. Like if you were rounding to like the, the, I don't know, every five, but like 17 points, six and a half rebounds shooting 36%. It's so like, what do That's you a, get out of that? So weird. That's a big problem with baseball broadcasters. They like to be like, such and such is the first ever left-handed relief pitcher who throws two different types of sliders to enter the game in the sixth inning and leave before the inning is done. With all, like, it's just we don't care. It's meaningless at that point. Yep. Yeah, baseball is the worst. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, to get or, it in there. Yeah, or whatever you said. That is so. That's what happens with baseball announcers. That's why they all get fired. They suck. It was two weeks ago that I asked you all, or you two, I act like there's more people in here, that I asked you two whether we would see Vic Beasley or Jadavian Clowney on the field first for the Titans. Still waiting to find out the answer to that. Um, what if, what if you I'm going to say it's what not if, Clowney. I was going to say, what if you jinx it like we did with Simeon last week, and by the time this releases, Clowney is already a Titan? Well, it's coming out on Wednesday, and they're off on Wednesday, so he won't have taken the field yet. <laughs> so Fair. We've got that. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week to preview the 53-man roster, and then one week after that to break down Titans versus Broncos. We're almost there, everybody. Hang on. We're almost done with training camp hype. We're nearly there. Uh, for Will and Matias, I'm Luke reminding you, and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.